0: Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff,
1: and management.
2: This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win, you need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker
0: room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom.
2: Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room.
0: Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey and hey hello everybody. You're in the Business Locker Room. This is Biz Locker Radio presented by the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board. We're operating at the intersection of sports and business, the business radio show with compelling conversations and cutting-edge content that you can use today. If you're looking to improve your business performance... Whether you own a business, sell a product, manage a team, lead a company, really doesn't matter. You found the right place. This is the show for you experts in sales and marketing, social media, business strategy, leadership, and so much more. We call it Biz Locker Radio. I'm your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, thanks for joining me. You can find us online, bizlockerradio.com. Make sure you follow me on Twitter just as well, at Kelly Riggs. Hey, by the way, do what I do. Download the podcast from iTunes. I mean, the content on the show is phenomenal. You get more of that from today's guest. Make sure you stick around, but find us on iTunes. Download it to your favorite iPhone, your Droid phone, whatever. Sync it up to your car. Listen to these shows on your commute. Guarantee you're going to get tons of stuff from it. Well, great show today. Show number 71, by the way. We call it Fanatical Prospecting. In just a few moments, my friend Jeb Blunt will join us. We're going to talk about his brand new book, But before we do that, great announcement today. I'm really excited. We've uh, got a title sponsor that is joining the show beginning this week. I'm really excited. They're called Rehearsal VRP, and you can find them online at RehearsalVRP.com. Listen, if you're in the sales business or if you manage people that need to develop skills, this is an incredible product. It's a practice platform that allows individuals to develop those mission-critical skills. It provides a safe place and a foolproof platform for role play, communication practice, training and much much more. I'm a huge fan going to use it in my own personal consulting practice with the clients that I work with. You're going to want to find them rehearsalvrp.com. We're going to talk much more about them in the future show. We're going to have them in the X's no segment with Miles Austin. By the way, Miles Austin will join us today as he always does After our second break, he'll join us and we'll talk about Audacity. Yeah, some of you may be familiar with that, but if you're not, it's a great audio tool, absolutely free. You're going to want to hear about the details as well. Well, if you're a longtime listener to BizLocker Radio, you know we get wonderful guests, but i got to tell you, the next several weeks, we are blowing it out. Great, great, great sales guests starting today, as I mentioned, with Jeb Blunt. October the 12th, Mark Hunter. The Sales Hunter. You're going to want to grab that show. October 19th, Trish Bertuzzi will join us. She's a superstar. October the 26th, my good buddy up in St. Louis, Mike Weinberg, he's also got a brand new book. We're going to talk about sales management. Anybody you know that manages salespeople, you want to line them up for that show. After that, Joe Polizzi from the Content Marketing Institute, then Oren Clough will be back with me. Oh my gosh, his book is ridiculous. Pitch Anything is the name of it. We had him on the show about a month and a half ago. Stellar show. And then finally, November the 16th, we'll wrap up a tremendous lineup of sales talent with my buddy Mark Roberts, the Chief Revenue Officer of HubSpot. I'm telling you, if you're in sales, find the people that you know that do this business and make sure they're listening to BizLocker Radio. Well, today, we're going to talk to my buddy Jeb Blunt, we're going to talk about his brand new book, by the way. And it's, uh, I, I'm excited about it. He previewed it when he was here last. It's called Fanatical Prospecting. By the way, I got to give Blunt all kinds of grief about the subtitle. I mean, it, it'll take me 20 minutes to read the subtitle to you, but it's a phenomenal book. And if you're ready to fill up your pipeline, if you're ready to get it going in terms of more opportunities, this is definitely the day to do it. By the way, Jeb Blood is the founder of Sales Gravy. Find him at salesgravy.com. Hey, Jeb, great to have you on the show, man. Thanks for joining us.
3: I'm so excited to be, in, to be back. And you know, it just, the, the subtitle of that book just tells you that I know how to stack keywords. Oh my gosh! I'm like, this is an SEO man's dream. Here we go.
0: Fanatical prospecting: the ultimate guide to opening sales conversations and filling the pipeline by leveraging social media, telephone, email, text, and cold calling. You know, I never would have believed you could get all that on a book cover. <laughs> <laughs> my oh, the,
3: it's the it's the longest subtitle in the in the in the history of. Um, uh, of, of them doing books but you know when you write the most comprehensive book that's ever been written on prospecting you got to be able to tell the story somehow and the subtitles where you do that Plus, it's a you know it, it is an seo uh, dream
0: yeah absolutely by the way follow jeb at sales gravy and uh you can find salesgravy.com. also he's got a personal website jeb blunt it's b-l-o-u-n-t jebblunt.com hey no all kidding aside Let's talk a little bit philosophically. You know, you would think, Jeb, that, uh, that prospecting was dead. You would think that we no longer even need to prospect because we got this wonderful magical tool called social media and all the, uh, you know, marketing automation tools out there. Interesting that you would write a book about
3: prospecting. Well, I, the, you know, the number one problem in business today when it comes to sales is empty pipelines. Number one. No No question. I I travel all over the world. I work with companies big and small. And every company that has a problem in sales, you can draw a direct line from the issue with hitting their numbers to a deficiency in the pipeline. And if the number one reason for an empty pipeline, right, our, our, our bad sales is an empty pipeline, the number one reason for an empty pipeline is the lack of prospecting. And, in fact, if you look at salespeople in general, the number one reason that salespeople lose their jobs It's not the inability to present or the inability to close or the inability to, you know, build strategy or work through a sales process. The number one reason why salespeople are carrying their box to their car and going to work for another company is because they fail to prospect and keep the pipeline full.
0: Yeah, there's no, absolutely no question about it, and we we sort of touched on this the last time you were on the show. But you know, it's interesting because most salespeople, Jeb, seem to be to be living in denial because what they'll do is show you their pipeline and spend an hour trying to prove to you there's enough valid opportunities there, but but they're they're really just space fillers.
3: Well, the universal law of self awareness simply says that you can't be delusional and successful in sales at the same time, and one of the reasons why you have these these walking dead pipelines that salespeople try to convince you are real pipelines is because they're holding on to the same deals, calling the same people over and over and over again. And it's driving sales managers crazy. And I know that there are sales directors and sales VPs that get sick and tired of seeing the same deals on the forecast every single month. And it's because they're trying to convince everyone around them that they have a deal when it happens they don't. And they don't have a deal because they're not putting anything new in the pipeline that pushes all of that crap out. And so if, if we don't, like, stop as a, as, a, as a business community and start putting our focus on getting salespeople back, focused on prospecting again, we're going to continue to repeat this pattern over and over and over again that's holding so many companies back from hitting their revenue numbers.
0: Hey, this is Biz Locker Radio, episode number 71, by the way. And my guest is Jeb Blunt. We're talking about his brand new book, "Fanatical Prospecting." It is the ultimate guide to opening sales conversations and filling the pipeline by leveraging social media, telephone, email, text, and cold calling. Jeb, I thought Jeb, I, I thought cold calling rather was already dead in the water. I thought we didn't do that anymore.
3: Well, you know, cold calling is part of a balanced prospecting methodology. So, you know, there's a lot of people that say, well, cold calling's dead, or you should only cold call. There are people that say you should only use the phone, but there's a whole lot of people out there, these sort of pseudo-gurus, that say, oh, social selling is the only way to go. And, you know, it's like, um, Kelly, and you're a pretty smart guy, right? If somebody showed up on your doorstep and said, hey, I've got this great investment for you, you should go put all of your money, all the 401k money you got, all the, all the cash you got sitting around in this one investment, you'll make a load. You know, if... If someone came and did that, you're smart enough to say, it's stupid. Nobody puts all their eggs in a single basket. That's the easiest way to lose your nest egg. And it's the same thing with sales, right? With sales, you have to balance your prospecting across all of the channels, and including in-person. So if you're an outside salesperson, you need to go do some in-person prospecting. It's the least efficient way of prospecting, but it's still something that you should do. Now, if you're brand new in a job, you're going to be doing a lot of cold calling. You're just going to have to because you've got to build your pipe. If you've been in a job for a long, long time, you're not cold-calling anymore. You're calling people that know who you are, have some level of familiarity with you. But with, since you mentioned cold-calling, the problem that we have with the word cold-calling, and I see it everywhere, is that salespeople are calling any call a cold-call, including right. a re- I worked with an a, a insurance group recently, and one of their sales reps told me that he didn't get paid to cold-call. And we were calling inactive customers. We were calling customers that already had a relationship with them. So so this whole cold calling misnomer myth, it is really just a bunch of bull. And the reality is is that salespeople need to look at all the channels that they have available to them, and they need to have a a daily plan to systematically attack their marketplace and use the channels that are going to be most effective for them in that moment to get in front of the right customer with the right message at the right time.
0: Well, I, I think you really jumped right in the middle of it in a big way there because it seems like uh, you know the pseudo-gurus that are out there, they always want to hone in on one thing as the only thing. and I, And I think it's a little bit self-serving in a lot of cases. They want to build their niche there, and I get that. But to exclude other areas, I mean, the reality is – Different people are successful for, for different reasons. They, they're they in different places. And I think you made a really good point. If you're brand new, almost by definition, you're making cold calls. But if you've been around 10 or 15 years, you're probably not making as many of those calls if any. But the reality is you, you've got to learn a little bit of every piece of the pie if you're going to be successful. Or you're almost by definition, Jeb, leaving money on the table, don't you think?
3: Absolutely. I mean, that's why, you know, like dollar cost averaging and investing works because you – Take advantage of the statistical probabilities that any given day that dollar is going to make money and that you're going to be buying either high or being low. And so same thing with salespeople. You want to, you want to balance your prospecting against different across different methodologies because you take advantage of the statistical probability that one particular channel may get in touch with the right client. It's Anthony and one of our friends says, you know, your dream client. But, it, right. but it's deeper than that. So, for example, the people that are saying, and I heard a guy that said that you should, some people need to get rid of everything other than hanging out on LinkedIn. Well, that sounds really good, except for the one of the methodologies that he promoted was that you could send a, an email to someone that's in a group with you without having to pay for it, and you could send unlimited in-mails. Last week, LinkedIn changed that. Now you can only send 15 a month in aggregate to people that are in groups with you. So. That methodology no longer is viable for most salespeople and will, unless you're willing to pay for it. So that's one of the reasons why you want to be good at all of the, the channels because the, the platform holders, for, especially for social media, they can change the rules anytime because they own the platform. That's right. But there's another reason, right? So we get really successful when, for example, let's just say we're trying to get in touch with you and we call you and leave a voicemail. And so you hear the voicemail. And then we send an email, and you see the email. And then we ping you on LinkedIn, and you see that. And maybe we connect with you because you come to our website and we chat with you. What we're doing is basically through our prospecting is we're building something called familiarity. And the law of familiarity says that the more familiar you are with me or my brand or my offering, the more likely the higher probability that you're going to engage with me when the buying window opens. And so by using all the channels prospecting not only opens doors, but it builds the future, and it creates a level of familiarity with prospects so that when when the buying window is there, they're more likely to talk to you. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, if you're
0: just joining us, or if you're not familiar with Jeb, if you're one of those rare people that doesn't know who Jeb Blunt is, you've not heard of Sales Gravy, let me give you a little background. Recognized as one of the world's 50 most influential sales and marketing leaders by Top Sales Magazine, top 30 social selling influencer, recognized by Forbes, one of the top five sales experts to follow on Twitter, recognized by Evan Carmichael, sought after as a strategist, a consultant, works with leading organizations. I know that to be a fact. He spent time with UPS Today, one of the world's leading organizations. So when you hear very strong opinions from a guy like Jeb, you need to pay attention. You know, Jeb, one of the challenges that salespeople face is the email and voicemail thing. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to get away. You're going to have to send emails. You're going to have to send voicemails. But people, they don't get training a lot of times, and, and sometimes they just do it really wrong. If you were going give, to give us some tips and tricks or some ideas or some tactics for email – what do you think some of the, the best practices are in terms of contacting people through the email process?
3: Well, the thing, the thing about email, and the nice thing about email, is that you can, like, build your emails to go out any time. So you, you, can, you can schedule them in what I call non-golden hours. So the, the period of time during the day when you can actually talk to customers, you can do emails outside of that. So it doesn't take up your selling time, your prime selling time. The thing about email is you've got to think like this. Um, most of your emails, about half of your emails are going to be hitting a small screen. So they're hitting people's mobile devices. So all your emails a day must be built for mobile devices. The second thing is that people are really, really busy. So they're going to respond to emails if your email is relevant to them. And there's two things that will cause someone to open an email. One is your subject line. And this is probably the most important thing. So you have to manage that, and you have to create subject lines that make people want to open them up. And it takes some experimentation, and there's some really neat tools out there that allow you to experiment with that. The second thing is familiarity. If they know your email address, if they know your company, they're more likely to open it up. So if you work for a big brand, it's going to be a whole lot easier for you if you, than if you work for a, 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 a relatively unknown brand. But the mm-hmm. big thing is thinking about, you have, to, you have to hook them. So number one is get them to open up. And the second thing is your very first sentence has got to be something that will cause them to want to read the rest of the email. But you get a bunch of emails, and if you think about it, right, the most of the emails that you get from salespeople, the sentence starts off like something like this. It says, "It says, hi, Kelly, by the way, leave out the hi, because nobody says hi, Kelly, except for salespeople. I never write <laughs> hi, Kelly. I just hi, Kelly, right? So as soon as you say hi, Jeff, hi, Kelly, I know you're a sales rep. So, number one, you turn me off there. And then the next thing it says is we're the greatest company in the entire world. That's what it says. It's about them. Always the first sentence is about them. If you think about the emails that you open, Kelly, they're always emails where the first sentence is about you. So you have to have a good subject line. You get it about them. And then once, once you've done that, you basically need to relate to their situation. You need to bridge to a reason, a cause for them to get back in touch with you. And you need to make it easy for them to respond or take action on the email that you're, and you've got to ask, actually ask them for something. So the email ask that you're asking, or the email ask, the, the thing that you're asking for in the email You just need to make it easy for them to respond to you and to take action. Simple stuff. But if you think about it, you've got about three seconds. Subject line, first sentence. If those two things are horrible, you're done.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much over at that point. Jeb Blunt is my guest. We're going to take our first time out. When we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to explore some of the other aspects of Jeb's brand new book, Fanatical Prospecting. By the way, available on Amazon. Make sure you go find it, pre order it, get it ready uh, for your sales team. We're going to come back after this time out. We'll continue our conversation with Jeb Blunt. This is Biz Locker Radio. I'm Kelly Riggs. Stay with us.
2: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. And welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. I'm Kelly Riggs. Hey, thanks for joining us. You can always find us at bizlockerradio.com. Follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. You want to follow my guest as well, by the way. He's Jeb Blunt at Sales Gravy. And go to his website, find out more about what he does, more about sales gravy. It's JebBlunt.com. Hey, before the break, Jeb, we were talking about email. And I I, got to tell you, you're exactly right about the email, the the subject line, the first sentence. Usually the subject lines, you can almost automatically tell what kind of email you're getting. So that's really interesting that you talk about that. But I got one today, and um, (laughs) I thought it was interesting because the very first line was, Hi, Kelly we can make you a better salesman. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, I appreciate that. So what you're, either you think I suck or, you know, you just incrementally think that there's absolutely no way you couldn't make me better. I don't know which one's more insulting, but, I mean, you make a great point. You, you've got to connect with people to something that's important to them. How do you find that out? I mean, this is going to be a relatively cold callish kind of situation. How do I get some sense of what's going to work?
3: So, you know, so emails have got to be relevant. I, I got one just the other day. I have an email wall of shame that was for a person that was sending me an email that was completely irrelevant to, to me and what I did. And they basically said, hey, I stumbled across your profile and I'm sending this email cause. And I love that. So that's sort of the, sort of the, um, the, the, the subject line, uh, you know, the first line du jour is I stumbled across. Like you were just yes. ha- like hanging out there and you found me and I basically my response to this to this person was clearly you did not stumble across my, my profile because if you had read my profile you wouldn't have have sent me this email so there's a couple of things I mean first of all if you if you want to send emails they have to be relevant so you're, you you've a great subject line you hook them right bring them in and then you've got to relate to them in their situation so it's got to be about something that's important to you now if let's say that you're a enterprise-level account, and you're a C-level person. It needs to be really relevant. So I probably need to go do a lot of research to really understand you, and research is so easy. Information is ubiquitous. I can go to your website. I can go to your profile. I can look at press releases. I can Google you, kind of a cool thing. I can find stuff out. But most salespeople are not sending email after email to C-level contacts. Most salespeople have got, you know, 3,000 to 10,000 prospects in the de- fine database that their company has bought from D&D or D&D or, or, or Hoover's or someone else. Right. So they've got, they've got to send a lot of emails. So, so then what you have to do is think, okay, I'm sending emails to decision makers or influencers in a particular industry. What are the commonalities? What are people in that industry facing? What are the, what are the problems they're dealing with? How do I relate to them? Um, and a great example is I had a, uh, I was working with a client, they were sending um, emails to, to CFOs at banks. And they didn't know, know a whole lot about these folks, but the one thing that they knew about CFOs is that um, CFOs um, are risk averse. And so their whole email was really about how, how difficult it is to be a CFO in today's market where there are so many risks and that, you know, they understood how CFOs were trying to mitigate risk. And it was really, really successful because they took a common ingredient or a common thing that's important to, to a group of decision makers and wove emails that were, what I'd like to say, like mass customized. I mean, they, were, they, were, they took a little bit and customized, but most of the email was stock language. And you can right. find that you can do this. And with, with the, with the, the amazing email tools that are out there today, then you can test, you can test subject lines, you can test first lines, you can test your message to see what your open rates are. And if, and we're talking, by the way, with one-to-one emails to test see if those things, if those emails are working or they're engaging with people. Um, so I, I think that when you start looking at your message and honing your message, um, you have to do both of these things, but, but sending irrelevant emails to people. You All you do is harm your brand. And listen to me, babies piece of cell CEOs, if you are allowing your business development reps to send emails that are irrelevant to people, you are harming your brand. No You're doubt. You're killing yourself. Absolutely so you right. need to get control over that.
0: Hey, I just came back from Chicago. I was up for a uh, trade show event up there uh, with the water, wastewater industry. And, you know, the interesting thing about. Uh, intermingling with those guys is, is you get a sense of what the hot button issues are and things like that. To me, that's a great place to find subject lines that are really going to be relevant to people. So one of the hot topics of interest up there, Jeff, as you can imagine, because water is becoming a more scarce resource, is how do we take water that's been used and actually reuse it? How do we turn that into water that we can actually drink or use in other applications? So if I sent an email to somebody that was a decision maker in that space and my subject line said, the problem with direct potable water reuse, I can almost assure you they're going to open it. It's a hot-button topic. I've suggested there's a problem. Then I say, Jeb, you know, the problem with direct potable water reuse is not that it's not a great idea. It's just that it's extremely expensive and not well thought out. But we've developed uh, some sort of technology that has reduced cost by 22% and made it usable again. I mean, that's going to get people's attention in one line, and I th- I think that's what you're getting at.
3: Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. If you go to industry stuff, if you know your industry, if you're paying attention to your industry and you're paying attention to the niches inside your industry, it's pretty easy. I mean, it's intuitive. You don't have to work that hard at it. I mean, you don't have to go do an hour-long uh, research in order to send an email to one person. All you have to do is just... Like, step into their shoes and think about what they'd be interested in. I had one yes. rep that I was working with. We do a, um, a fanatical prospecting boot camp around emails. And one rep was sending, he was sort of, you know, we were using a real case, but he was sending an email to a beer distribution company. And his subject line said, Keep the kegs rolling. I mean, if you're, if you, if you're a, a person in beer distribution and someone sends you that email, you're likely to open it up. It's relevant to you. It's interesting. I mean, it's, what, that, would make me, that would cause me to do that. One, one rep um, took a particular job title that was one of the, the hardest jobs in that particular industry and that basically said, you know, your job title, you know, the, the, the COO, is the hardest job in you know, this industry. And that, again, drove open rates because everybody believes that they get the hardest job in the entire world. If it's it's water recycling or water reuse and and you just came back from a conference and you met a bunch of people there and you got their email addresses and you send something relevant, people are going to respond to you.
0: Well, I think you've really given us something to think about because what most people do in emails is they talk about what's important to them. Clearly, what you're suggesting is, hey, how about you understand what's important to your prospects? In the book, Fanatical Prospecting, the the first part of the subtitle is The Ultimate Guide to Opening Sales Conversations. I think you've got something very specific in mind there. Why don't
3: you elaborate on that just a little bit? I, I mean, if you think about it, all sales is is a conversation. So mm-hmm. that, the purpose of prospecting is to move prospects, people that are not, like, currently in the buying window with you, into the process. It's to move people from outside of your pipeline to inside of your pipeline. Simple. That starts with a sales conversation. Now, when we say sales conversations, I mean, today it's, kind of, it's crazy because sales conversations can be a, a web call. It could be a web conference. It could be a phone call. It could be in person. Um, in some cases, it could be over text or chat. i, mean, I got a client that's doing a million dollars a month and sells through via, via chat. Two years ago, they were doing zero. Wow. So, but the whole point of prospecting is to engage a prospect in a conversation with you, however that conversation takes form, so that you can begin to qualify and connect with them emotionally, determine whether or not they're in the buying window, qualify them and move them into the pipeline. And it's a machine. It's a flow, right? Things are coming from outside the pipeline into the pipeline, and you're either closing the business at the end of the pipeline, or you're, they're leaking out the ends or the sides because, you know, there's something that disqualifies them, or they weren't a buyer, or they decided through the process they don't like you that much. But if you don't yes. have sales conversations, what's the, what's the point? right? So what's the point of even calling yourself a sales rep? You have to have sales conversations.
0: Well, and nobody enjoys a monologue, you know—at least not for very long. Right?
3: <laughs> well, this is like you know, this is the difference between a lot of salespeople. I, you know, they—they're—they're they're having sales interrogations, right? they're not having sales conversations. You know, they're—they're—they're yes. they're, they're, they're dialing people up and asking a whole bunch of bunch of closed-ended questions to try to manipulate them, you know, into into saying what they want them to say. And people, you know, nobody likes to respond that way. People want to talk about themselves. And you said, you know, you need to write things that are relevant. But like, I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm, I've heard you say it. I, I don't know how many times you can say to salespeople, get to see your thick skull. People do not care about you. They don't care about what you want. They don't care about your features, your products. They don't care about your statistics. They don't care about any of that stuff. They only care about themselves and what's important to them. And if you can connect the dots between what's important to them and your product or service, people will typically buy from you.
0: If you haven't figured it out already, you need to find the book. It's called Fanatical prospecting. We'll talk more about how you can get it before we let Jeb go, but uh, clearly you need to follow him on Twitter and find his website as well, jebblunt.com. Well, I, I, my, my suspicion was is that you use that, that word conversation for a reason. You know, if there's anything we've learned about sales in the past two and a half, three decades that I've been doing this, is that most people, as one sales manager used to always say, we, we show up and throw up, and we think that's a conversation. We certainly wouldn't have a, a personal relationship like that, and if we do, Jeb, it, it typically doesn't last very long you know a conversation is about equal parts from from people and it's really based a lot on the questions that you ask is it not
3: you know it's funny you say because in sales you think about a conversation in sales a question is so much more important than anything that you'll ever say and i know as a sales manager that when a salesperson calls me up and says hey boss i just had a great conversation i know that they didn't have a conversation they spent the entire time talking (laughs) <laughs> and if I had a nickel for every person who said I had a great sales conversation and we didn't actually close the deal, I mean, I'd have my own island, right? We would set up our own radio show there on our island with our, you know, with our swimming pool and our movie stars. But that's the problem is that salespeople think that talking about themselves and their product and service is the conversation, and you're exactly right, it is, it could, it could, you could be further from a conversation. It's just a pitch. And you know, not, I don't like go. pitches, you don't like pitches, nobody likes a pitch. Yeah, amen to that. Another part
0: of your book, you, you talk about leveraging social selling. Now this has become such a hot button topic and issue and a lot of things out there on the internet on various platforms, people arguing one side or the other. And and again, I, I think many times it's it's kind of nonsensical, but I, I think there is a sense in which the allure of social selling has is, is almost caused people to fall into a trance. It's like, wow, social selling, magic bullet, uh, my, my problems are over. All i got to do is be more effective on Twitter LinkedIn and every other social platform that's out there. Clearly, it's a great tool, Jeb, but do you think that's an accurate assessment? Have we kind of swung a little bit too far and need to get back in the middle somewhere?
3: Well, here's what I can tell you. If you think that social selling is a silver bullet that's going to solve all your sales problems, you need to keep your resume warmed up. <laughs> um, you know, if, look, if, if you look at, like, the most important sort of, you know, technological uh, advances that drove sales, you know, you can put the telephone on that. You can put the automobile on that. You can put the Internet on that. You can put the smartphone on that. And you can put social media on that. Social media is important. It, it's made everything easier in sales. And I love when people say, well, sales is harder than it's ever been. And, like, you've got to be out of your mind. Self is easier than it's ever been because you've never had a time when information was more ubiquitous. Right. So social selling absolutely is a core part of the, of, the, of the top salesperson's toolbox. And fanatical prospectors use everything to get in the door. But social selling is not a silver bullet. It will not solve your problems. And if you spend all your time doing social selling, you're going to spend most of your time sitting around waiting for someone to call you and they're not going to call you. So you have to build it in as a balance. You have to look at social selling as part of, the, of an overall strategy. And there's lots of ways to use it. And long-cycle sales, it's a wonderful way to build strategic prospecting campaigns and nurture prospects over the long term. And short-cycle sales campaigns, it's really a great way to very quickly get relevant information on someone and to show them that you're interested and to create familiarity. Um it's there's there's it's it's just a beautiful machine. But these 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 gurus I I really hate to say these morons, they're telling salespeople to stop doing everything except for social selling. They're they're committing malpractice in my opinion. Um and and you know, you see me on social media. Man, I live on social media all day long. This morning I was getting coffee, one of the UPS guys we were working with was you know made a comment. He made he did three tweets while he was getting coffee. And that's true, I did. And I love it, and I use it, and I I weave it into my business, but but it is not the way that I go to market full-time because I can pick up the phone and call somebody and get an appointment way faster than I can ever do anything on social selling.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Jeb, I've got just a couple of minutes before we go to break, and I don't want to get away without asking you a question that's been on my mind. Of course, Sales Gravy is a platform where people are recruited and they find salespeople and all that. I want to ask you an interesting question. I'm not sure that you will have been asked this, so you may have to give it a little bit of thought or it may just pop out. But what is the one thing in your experience that sales managers are looking for or have traditionally looked for in salespeople that's misguided. That's leading them down the wrong path and they're consistently getting the wrong people. Is there something that they tend to hang their hats on that really isn't the right indicator for hiring a great salesperson?
3: Yeah, it's simple, it's experience. I mean the the one thing that sales that sales managers look for, they gravitate to because it's easy and comfortable and, you know, they, they, it, it helps it fits within their um their familiarity bubble is experience. Does this person have experience in my industry? And I'm not saying that experience is or is not an indicator of someone's ability to sell. But I am saying that using experience as like the core gauge, and we hear this a lot, I only want people who have worked in my industry. And, you know, If you think about that, it's, it's, it feels logical, it seems logical, but it's not logical. Right. Because... The problem with that is that you get these industries where it's almost incestuous. I mean, you get the same people circulating over and over and over again. And the way this manifests itself is that we'll often have a sales manager say, well, I only want people that work in my industry. That's the only people that I want to talk to, but I don't want retreads. And what they're saying is, like, you know, I don't want people who have worked for multiple companies in my industry, just some companies. So (laughs) my advice to sales managers is industry is one indicator, but it's not the only indicator. What do you really want? Like, do you want someone who's going to get up every day and go out and prospect? Are they going to go fill the pipeline up? Are they going to have a positive, optimistic attitude? Are they smart? Cause like, I'll take someone who's smart and intelligent and doesn't know anything about my industry. I'll take someone driven and motivated. Does not know about my industry any day? Because I can teach them all of the mechanics they need to know, but I can't teach those innate traits that they bring with them. So that to me, trusts that now, That doesn't mean that, in some cases, you're not looking for people who have existing relationships in the book of business. I get that. But that's a whole different animal than saying, I only want to talk to people who have experience. And it's the biggest mistake that sales managers make.
0: Man, that's such great insight. He's Jeb Blunt. He's the author of a brand-new book, Fanatical Prospecting, The Ultimate Guide to Opening Sales Conversations and Filling the Pipeline by Leveraging Social Media, Telephone, Email, Text, and Cold Calling. Find him at salesgravy.com, jebblunt.com, and make sure you follow him online on Twitter, at Jeb Blunt. Jeb, great to have you on board, man. Many thanks for your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's been good stuff. Hey, we're going to take our second time out. You know what that means on the other side. We'll come back. We'll be joined by my buddy, Miles Austin up in Seattle. He's got to be feeling a little bit better this week when the Seahawks get a win under their belt. And we're going to talk about a brand, or not a brand new tool, been around a while, Audacity. But if you're new to video, you're going to be interested in seeing what it will do. It's the X's and O's segment. Special thanks to Rehearsal VRP, now the title sponsor, of biz Locker radio i'm going to tell you more about them on the other side of the break as well it's BizLocker radio i'm kelly riggs we'll be right back from the boardroom to you voice america business
2: network Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, A Step-by-Step Guide to a Hall of Fame Career in Sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time national salesperson of the year to speak at your next event, or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network
0: Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to BizLocker Radio. It's presented by the Business Locker Room and Rehearsal VRP, a practice platform that allows individuals to develop those mission-critical skills that your people need to learn, but they're just not practicing. It's a safe place, a foolproof platform for role play, communication practice, training, and much, much more. Hey, a special thanks to the folks at Rehearsal VRP. I am a huge fan of the product Definitely going to be using it in my practice. I've already taken steps to do that and looking forward to telling you a lot more about it in the future. We're joined by my buddy up there in Seattle, Miles Austin. We're going to do the Axes No segment where we draw up the plays for the week. This week it's Audacity first. Miles, you've got to be feeling better this
1: week. The Seahawks are back. Yes, they are. Actually, Cam Chancellor's back, but that's another topic another time.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing what a world-class player on the
1: defensive side of the ball will do for your team, isn't it? And he had one impact play for the whole game, but I'll tell you what it was, man. It, it, it goes back to all of our sales experience, our business experience. It was attitude. Every player on that team felt comfortable. They knew Cam's in his place So now all I have to do is go execute my responsibilities. I don't have to worry if he's covering his. It's an amazing, amazing thing to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely it is. Hey, by the way, if you're... Joining us, uh, and you didn't hear it at the top of the show, what an incredible slate of interviews we've got in front of us as we go down the list here. Next Monday, October the 12th, Mark Hunter will join me, and this is uh, just a parade of world-class salespeople. We're going to get so much content, it's crazy. October nineteenth, Trish Bertuzzi, the 26th, my buddy from St. Louis, Mike Weinberg. He'll be talking about his brand-new book, by the way, Sales Management Simplified. Then Joe Polizzi, Oren Clough, Mark Roberge. Wow, you're going to want to stick around. But now we get over to the X and O segment, Miles, and we start drawing up some plays. Hey, you chose a tool this week. Uh, maybe it's a surprise to some, but it's, it's a phenomenal tool. It's called Audacity. Tell us about it.
1: Well, Kelly, look, I, let me ask you a question. We've been talking a lot about you know, the importance of how we communicate in this world today and the Internet and video and everything. What's the most important part of a good video, ah!
0: Uh, wow. Most important part. Well, I mean, I think you need to have good lighting. You need to frame the shots right, you, and the sound clearly has got to be uh, good. I'm, I'm not sure that I would know ex- what's the best part
1: or the most important. Most people would tell you that a perfect video, Steven Spielberg quality shot, with garbage audio, will be the worst results you can get of yes, anything. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Good Much point. better to have clear, crisp audio and a fuzzy photo than the other way around. Obviously, ideally, we want them both, and we've been trying to give you tools to be able to do that. But that's really why we're talking about Audacity, Kelly, because the ability to have clear audio is in all formats, not just in video, right? Um, Obviously, here on the show, it's an audio show. It's an audio broadcast. But the ability to take audio from any source on any computer and be able to work with it to To chunk it up, to create it, to modify it, to cut out the parts that were mistakes, to remove sound, etc. Those are all really important parts in the new age that we live in. And Audacity has been around for quite some time. It's extremely popular, partially because it's free.
0: Yeah, no question about it. I know I've used it for years uh, in particular uh, with podcasts in the past and the radio work that we did years ago. Uh, but you know, I, I can hear people saying, "Oh, hang on a second, audio editing. I mean,
1: that's whoa, that's way over my head. I, I, don't, I don't even think I could go there." Sure, and, and you know, maybe so for some people that could be the case. I'll use an example. It's not just editor; it's also just a simple multi-track or a single-track recorder for Windows. There's a version for Mac. There's a version for Linux. I mean, that's what's nice. It's a multi-platform tool. So as an example, you have this really brilliant PowerPoint presentation you've made, but now you want to use your voice to add audio to it because you want to eventually repurpose, as we've talked in previous shows, and turn it into a video or maybe a slide share document on LinkedIn, right? Right. Audacity is a perfect tool to do that recording Why? Because once you have it recorded and it has all the features you'd want, you can make it real simple or have all the bells and whistles you're going to choose. But the important thing is now I can also remove if I had any hiccups, if I stopped somewhere, if I had a lot of ums and ands and uhs, I can take those out very quickly. So it's not as complex as it might sound. It's really pretty uh, simple to use. It's very visual So, I mean, I can literally look at my audio track and I can see where my ums and ahs are throughout that broadcast.
0: Well, that's a great, great point. And nothing improves the quality of audio performance to take out the non-essentials, the long pauses and the ums and the things that that you've just described. You know, it's interesting. You and I have had this conversation a number of times. Many people are doing these kinds of podcasts. They're trying to get their content out on the internet because clearly that's that's the wave. Uh, it's not the wave of the future. It is the wave now. But so many people don't invest in some very simple tools, Miles, that will allow them to really create a much better product ultimately that goes out on the Internet. And sometimes it's just a lack of awareness of some of these really great tools.
1: Well, it is. I, you know, and it's really funny, Kelly, because I, I would agree with you partially. I'd say it is sometimes a lack of awareness. Honestly, the other half, it's just a lack of caring. Uh, I mean, I believe anything that I do in public reflects on me, my character, uh, the way I conduct my business, and what my clients and my customers should expect from me. And if I put out a sloppy, a lazy, or an unpolished and unprofessional product, or if they hear me with ums and ahs and I'm just aw shucks and I'm really not paying attention to details, what does that say to my prospects and my customers? It says I'm probably going to use the same approach when I'm working on their project, and that's not a comforting feeling.
0: No, not at all. Well, luckily for us, we have a world-class engineer on the other side of the glass. Michael Sergit makes us sound way better than than we really are, but that's what audacity is in a lot of ways. It's sort of that that free, open-source engineer that you can use to make yourself sound a lot better than typically you really do.
1: Absolutely so, and, and obviously the gang does a great job um, for the show and i you know i 'll use an example that I just used Audacity for the other day. I had a twelve minute segment, and i had to, I was producing it for someone for an event that 's coming up, and it had to be exactly twelve minutes couldn 't be a little short couldn 't be a little long. One of the neat capabilities in audacity I can speed up or slow down that whole track, and so what I did is I took the video, I loaded it on. Onto my screen, I could see the exact time, and I could see exactly how long, and I simply snapped my audio to match exactly the video. Now, what that did, in my case, I talked more than I wanted to, so it literally sped up my speech. Not a lot. Most people would, in fact, no one would ever notice it, but it took that about 12 minutes and 40 seconds and compressed that whole thing into 12 minutes exactly on the dot, and I played it back, and I smiled to myself. I thought, "Wow, I wish I could do that in real life because I can usually get to the point a lot quicker if I'm not rambling." <laughs> You're not yeah. supposed to laugh at that. <laughs>
0: well, uh, yeah, I got to tell you, I got a kick out of that. You should have. You should uh, just be witness to some of the conversations that Miles and I have offline. It takes them forever to get to the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know the interesting thing about you bring that up and. I've seen so many audio engineers, and, and frankly, the way to learn how to use Audacity. In my opinion, is to watch other people use it. And one of the things that I learned very early on with Audacity is if you've got a, you know, a, a, for instance, we're cutting a sixty-second commercial and we're doing that for one of our uh, sponsors, like Rehearsal VRP, and we need to fit it into sixty seconds exactly because you know the the the, the cart changes and they need to move on to it through a time limit. But it's sixty-three seconds or sixty-four. You don't throw up your hands and say, "Oh my gosh, we got to go back and revoice that." A good engineer we'll go in and simply reduce the amount of time between sentences and, and some longer pauses. And you can find three, four, five seconds pretty easy, Miles. And, and that saves you a lot of time in having to revoice the whole thing.
1: Uh, you know, that was one of the things that took me a while to get comfortable with, but you're absolutely right. It's the same with video, right? But yes. when I'm going through and I'm making a, a, a presentation or I'm talking and I make a mistake or I just get tongue-tied. It happens to all of us, right? We just kind of blip, it, but it. All I do is I take a deep breath, I stop, I clap once, and I go right back to where I was. And I can pick up where I messed up, right? So the ability to pick up where you mess up, because when I go back and play that recording, that simple action of that clap will look like a big spike on the screen. And I can find it almost instantly and go in and with the click of a mouse to start and to finish, click it to remove it, and I'm done a whole lot better than going through a 5 or 10 or 15 or 30-minute script in some cases because I just got a couple words wrong or I got tug-tied along the way.
0: So if you're joining us in the X's and O's segment, it's Miles Austin. Find him at fillthefunnel.com. If you're a long-time listener, you're already doing that at Miles Austin on Twitter people will say hey you know sometimes they ask me about the tools that, uh, that that we pick and why we pick those what we know is is that today's business owner sales rep entrepreneur people that are responsible for content generation we're moving rapidly out of the written word into sound and audio into video and these things become really important you have to at least have some sort of working idea of how these things can be used but Audacity is a tool, not only is it free, but this thing, Miles, is really super powerful. So it can be just a simple recorder, but it's the kind of thing that if you want to do professional level uh, effects, for instance, if you want to fade out a, a piece of music to end at 60 seconds, there's a simple thing. You just highlight the section you want to fade out, and you, you click the appropriate effect, bam, it's done. And suddenly you're beginning to sound a lot more sophisticated than other people.
1: Absolutely. I think because it's free, sometimes people assume, well, if it's free, it must not be that powerful. It's way more powerful than I'll ever use, very frankly. And so I think that's one of the challenges when you go to to download this. And remember, it's for Windows or Mac. You pick which version. By the way, let me make just really clear for the listeners. Um, Let me give you the address, Kelly, because there's been a little bit of confusion out there. The place to download this from is web.audacityteam.org. And not a lot of the details. There's just been some confusion because it's this open source thing and there's people arguing over it. But the bottom line is go to web.audacityteam.org, A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y-T-E-A-M.org, and you'll get it. You'll see it. They've got help files and everything built in.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, brand new, July the fifteenth of this year, version two point one point one from from Mac is out. Uh, as people, as the the major platforms like Apple and Windows upgrade their platforms, Audacity follows suit as well. So they're keeping track. The compatibility is outstanding. This is a tool you want to know about, folks. If you're recording anything at all, it gives you the ability, like video. Miles has been really good of walking us down that video pathway. We thought we needed to give some sense of what happens on the audio side as well. Creating high quality content should not be expensive. It should not be difficult. And it really isn't. It's just about having an awareness and it's about having the right tools. So Miles, before we get out of here, just a couple of minutes before the show ends, you know, people often ask me, hey, how do, how do you know how to do that? The, the reality is just go find people who are doing it well and look at, look at what it sounds like, look at what it looks like, and you'll get a sense of what you should be doing with the kind of work that you present as well.
1: Absolutely. It's a great recommendation, Kelly. And I think for me, all of these tools, I always just jump in. Uh, I do have a habit of reading the manuals, and I like to get into the details, but that's more because of the stuff I do in the training part of my business. But the truth is, something like Audacity, go in, download it, or whatever machine or ever equipment you have and literally go in and just open it up. Take a peek. You, you can't break anything, right? That's um, right. Go in and just test it and play with it. But you're right. Sit with someone who knows how to use it and just watch what they do. Y- you will be amazed. The comfort will come pretty quickly on that because you'll see, wow, there's really nothing to be afraid of here.
0: Oh, and by the way, did we mention, yes, it's free. <laughs> My favorite kind of tool. Hey, Miles, good stuff in the X's No segment. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it, buddy. Have a great week. Miles Austin, fillthefunnel.com. He's the web tools guy. Dude is fantastic. He's got all the latest tools, and he's got so much training available on his website. Very, very, very low investments for a lot of information. By the way, a lot of his stuff is free as well. You're going to want to make sure that you find it. Hey, special thanks to Jeb Blunt for joining us as well. Salesgravy.com, JebBlunt.com. Follow him at Jeb Blunt. His brand-new book, Fanatical Prospecting, The Ultimate Guide to Opening Sales Conversations and Filling the Pipeline by leveraging social selling, telephone, email, text, and co-calling. Yes, that is the longest subtitle in the history of books. Make sure you find it. Hey, that's going to do it. Episode number 71, In the Can. Next week, October the 12th, Monday, 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, Mark Hunter will join us, and we'll talk about high profit selling. Make sure you join us. Thanks to Michael Surgett on the other side of the glass. Brandy Jackson's our executive producer, and that's going to do it for Biz Locker Radio. We'll see you next week.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Biz Locker Radio with Kelly Riggs. For more compelling interviews and cutting-edge business content, make sure you join us here again next week. Biz Locker Radio airs every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 3 p.m. Central Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. BizLocker Radio is presented by the Business Locker Room. All rights reserved. Opinions expressed by guests on the show may not be the opinions of Business Locker Room, Incorporated. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com.